Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, February the 8th, 2023. There's a really rich literary tradition, I think, of memoir of young people coming to America, of making sense of themselves as immigrants, as migrants, and speaking both of the tolerance and intolerance, the openness and the closed nature of America in terms of their identities. Uh, we've done lots of shows about this with memoir writers. Uh, Javier Zamora's book, um, Salito has uh, done incredibly well, a memoir of a, of a young boy almost walking from Central America to the uh, United States. Another show we did uh, last year with, with uh, Erica Sanchez, um, whose book, uh, uh, Crying in the Bathroom, another memoir, speaks of uh, what it what it requires to be um, an immigrant taking risks uh, and, and what it means to be an American in the early part of the 21st century. And a third example was with um, a young man called Michael Stamen, uh, the gay son of a first-generation Peruvian immigrant uh, who made it big in tech. He has a, a new memoir out, Kid, How a Child of Immigrants Grabbed a Piece of the American Dream. I'm not sure what's left of the American dream. Perhaps we might ask our guest today. Uh, she has a new memoir out, Lamia H. Um, it's also a book, I think, about, in some ways, coming to America. Hijab Butch Blues, a memoir. What's different, though, from, from between Lamia and uh, Saman uh, and Erica Sanchez and Javier Zamora is that we're not going to get to see her. She is, in a way, anonymous and, in a way, very visible. She's joining us from uh, New York. Um, I'm going to put your book cover up, uh, Lamia. We're not going to get to see you. Is there a reason for this uh, anonymity in terms of uh, your memoir and, indeed, your brand? Uh, when, when we go to your website, we don't get to see who exactly you are. Hi, um, thanks for having me on the show, Andrew. Um, that's a really good question, and it's definitely one that um, I've been asked um, a, a lot in many different forms. Um, for me, as someone who was writing um, a book that was that wanted to be really, really honest um, about queerness, about Muslimness, um, about being uh, part of marginalized identities. Um, Writing under a pseudonym was really important to me because it it allowed me to be really honest about sort of the homophobia that I face in Muslim communities and also the Islamophobia that I face in queer communities. Um, and to really be able to write that um, in terms of um, safety and privacy and just not being able to have my address be Googleable, um, it was really important to me to write under a pseudonym. I didn't want to categorize you too much. And of course, uh, I'm sure in, in many ways, your your life and your narrative, your memoir is an, in itself an argument against categorization. Mm -hmm. But 
Do you see yourself in the Sanchez and Seyman and Zamora camp of writing a book about coming to America, or is that an oversimplification? Um, I think in some ways this book is about coming into myself, um, which happened to be in the United States. Um, I, um, I, I write a lot about sort of like the politics that led me to end up in the U.S. Um, I grew up in an Arab country that didn't do immigration, and I come from a South Asian country where um, where that my parents, you know, moved out of. And so in some ways, um, it really only felt possible for me to continue sort of like going to college and get an education um, past high school in um in the US. Um, and that's kind of how I ended up here. Um, I don't know what my life would have looked like had I ended up somewhere else. But um, to me, the story is about coming into myself uh, in in the US. Um, and in some of the ways uh, that were possible to do in the US that wouldn't have been possible in the country that I was born in and the country that I grew up in. You're a proud resident now of New York. In fact, one of the things you enjoy doing, according to your bio, is uh, traveling to every subway stop in the city. Do you think you could have done what you've done in another American city, uh, Charlotte um, or Memphis or so, Atlanta or Dallas or Houston? Well, um, first of all, I don't drive, so it would have been really hard to live in any of those yeah. uh, places. It's only LA. You don't want to go to LA without being able to drive. Yes. Yeah. That traffic. Um, but I think a lot of what I, I think my story is also feels like a very New York story in the sense that um, I mean, like I'm biased, but I think New York is the best city in the world. Um, but what I love about the city, and I've written about this in other essays, is that it just, it feels like you're never the weirdest person in the room. Um, that's kind of what I love about it, that New York is full of weirdos and people who, um, people who are living their lives and, um, you know, are still like deeply kind. I mean, like, you know, if you drop a bag of groceries on the subway, like six people will wordlessly help you. Um, but I think the sort of like meeting of cultures and languages and religions and um, sort of like marginalized identities is different in New York uh, compared to the other cities in the U.S. I've been to. And I really can't imagine living anywhere else. You've done a lot of interesting writing. You wrote for Tankweed, a very queer Ramadan, another really interesting essay for Salon. Uh, yes, it's possible to be queer and Muslim. Um, the book itself is in part a, a, a memoir of, of, of questioning faith, given your mm. own discovery of yourself. How did you come out? Are you able to hold on to all these things, Lamia? Did you have to give something up? Um, I think that, I think that living is a process of giving things up always. I think, um, I don't know. I think it's, it's really hard. Uh, it, it's, it's hard to live and move in the world in ways that don't involve, um, sort of like a push and pull between, 
um, different things. And to me, um, I really had to sort of like grow into a lot of my identities. Um, I had to sort of like figure out how I was going to live them. You know, I had to learn how to, um, how to sort of like interpret Islam for myself and what parts of it like really resonated with me and what parts were really difficult. Um, and similarly with sort of like queerness, um, I, I really had to sort of like uh, figure out how I wanted to be queer in ways that didn't necessarily look like the mainstream. Um, yeah. Do you think uh, you, you read another interesting piece, um, queer, brown, Muslim and constantly under attack? Um, obviously, you, you, you tick all the boxes on that one. Um, but in America itself, are the type of person who discriminates against Muslims also likely to discriminate against queer and brown people? Is it a package, essentially, in, in the United States, at least? It is, but it's also not. Um, I, I, I actually, I wrote that article right after the Orlando shooting happened. Um, and I was thinking a lot about sort of like those identities and how they're kind of like painted in opposition to each other um, and how it's, it's possible to feel attacked for all of those things um, constantly. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a strain of sort of like people who uh, discriminate against people who are different, um, but interesting. And so, you know, um, being queer and brown and, and an immigrant and Muslim, um, those are all categories that um, there's some people who sort of like discriminate against all of those as a package. But um, interestingly, I think that there are also um, strands of discriminating against those identities individually. Um, I've definitely sort of like faced a lot of Islamophobia in queer communities, for example. Um, and um, so, yeah, so it, it can be really interesting to see sort of where those things intersect and where they don't. We did a show last year with a, a Sikh immigrant to the United States who happened mm -hmm. to end up in San Antonio. Of course, he's not a Muslim, he's a Sikh. Mm -hmm. um, their own a, a unique religion um but he said his life changed after 9 11 i don't want to know your exact age but i assume you can <laughs> remember 9 11 did your life change then or at least in the way in which people perceived you so um i didn't live in the u.s pre 9 11 and so um i really have nothing to compare it to um but i definitely i i came to the u.s i think two years after 9-11, and um, the ramifications of that were still so, so uh, deep in ways. I, I mean, like, the ramifications of that are still pretty deep, but um, I just, I remember coming to the U.S. two years after it happened and the way it felt um, sort of, like, omnipresent in terms of um, the war on Iraq, um, just, you know, um, terms like the axis of evil and just um, the way in which, you know, um, when I started college, um, the, the, the kind of questions that people would ask me, um, yeah, it definitely felt very, uh, it, it, it felt like it was a deep rooted strand in, in everything. Um, you may not have been here for 9-11, but you were here for the accession to power of a certain old Donald Trump. You write about that. Uh, 
uh, in a Vice piece, an interesting piece, how Trump's America has changed the way I wear my identities. How did Trump change your wearing of identities and other lifestyle choices of one kind or another? Hmm. Um, so that's interesting because a few months before that, I had also written an article about um, how Islamophobe, uh, there, there's this sort of like, uh, there's this argument in like mainstream sort of culture that Islamophobia had increased significantly um, after Trump. Um, but I also wrote about how it felt like a continuation of the Islamophobia that had happened sort of like pre-Trump as well. Um, and it felt too simplistic to just talk about sort of like Islamophobia as like uh, being like a creation of Trump as opposed to something that had sort of like always pre-existed in various forms. Of, uh, there were a lot. Uh, there was a lot of um, fear, I guess, uh, in terms of me and my friends. Um, so many of my friends, um, the you know, the Muslim ban was happening. I'm, I you know, um, I was going through the immigration process, and that uh, that you know definitely rattled me in ways that um, I I I. I just like hadn't experienced anything like that um, before, uh, even though there were these sort of like strands of Islamophobia that I could tease apart and recognize. Um, yeah. Uh, but um, what feels really uh, interesting and scary now is that, um, you know, Trump is not president anymore, but a lot of those factions seem to be emboldened. Um, and not just in terms of Islamophobia, in terms of queerness, too. I'm just, I'm so scared at so much of the sort of like um, structural violence that's happening against queer people. I, I can't stop thinking about um, about Florida and the sort of like banning of LGBTQ books in schools um, and just feeling very, very scared. So Trump's America is now morphed into Ron DeSantis's America. Yeah. Is it going to be significantly different? It seems as if DeSantis has honed in on culture and the culture wars and be very, and he's much more focused than, than Trump's rather scattershot, disorganized, ill-disciplined attempt to, vict uh, to, to, um, to hurt people and discriminate against them. Yeah, it feels like, I don't know, in those days, it felt more like chaotic, if that makes sense. It felt like a chaotic kind of um, sort of uh, systemic discrimination, whereas like now it just feels uh, more like it's being institutionalized and, um, and just uh, really like formalized in ways that feel really 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 terrifying um i mean yeah. i'm sympathetic in a way and then on the other hand i'm in san francisco it mm. I, i'm i'm still slightly skeptical that in towns like san francisco or new york it really makes any difference what ron DeSantis says or what he does even if he became president it, there is enough tradition of local power not to make a great deal of difference to our lives here um, I'm curious to see how it'll turn out too, but I mean, I've been called um, homophobic slurs um, in New York. Um, I've had 
people um, say things to me on the street. Um, and so I think there's this like, I think there's this tendency to think that it could never happen here, but it does. How is your your work, your your writing, your book? How 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 does it get received within the Islamic community? And I know that's a, a broad term. Mm. You had one piece in a, a, a magazine called the Islamic Monthly. I have to admit, I don't know much about it. How to dequeer your apartment? You've had other stuff about, uh, as I said, uh, of a, in, in another in Tanquid about a very queer Ramadan. What's your generalized experience in terms of reaction to your work within the Islamic community? Um, I think I've experienced sort of like two kinds of reactions. I definitely get a lot of um, just Twitter and um, Tumblr back when that was a thing, messages um, and emails um, from a lot of sort of like queer Muslims who, um, you know, uh, just haven't, uh, haven't sort of like read writing like this before um, and who feel really seen by it. Um, I've also gotten a lot of messages from sort of like younger Muslims who are more progressive, not that older Muslims are not progressive, but I've definitely just gotten a lot of emails from younger Muslims um, just being really sort of like excited to see my writing. Um, I also, um, I also would just sort of like they're random, like just comments like the Islamic monthly piece, for example, just, got a lot of comments um, that were not very supportive. Um, but what I really appreciated about the magazine was that they like really went to bat for me and um, really sort of like supported um, my story and putting my writing out there. Um, so, so it's been, it's, it's been a mixed bag. Um, what's interesting though, is that because I write anonymously, it can kind of be hard to gauge. Um, it, it can be hard to gauge what people think of my work because it's it, it feels like sort of like hard to bring it up there's obviously uh, you know this a lot better than i do a raging discussion debate within the islamic community about identity and tolerance manifesting itself in all sorts of ways a couple of years ago an interesting show with a islamic scholar mustafa akyol i think mm. he's based in istanbul on his vision of an Islamic enlightenment, he has a book out, or he had a book out, Reopening Muslim Minds, A Return to Reason, Freedom and Tolerance, in which he looks at a, a kind of reformation or renaissance in Islamic thought. Are you in the, the Akyol camp in terms of discovering or, or rediscovering tolerance in the Islamic world? I mean, obviously, it depends on which traditions uh, and which countries, but um, are you as optimistic as him that Muslim minds can, so to speak, be reopened? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think um, the more I talk to sort of like younger Muslims who are doing a lot of um, anti-oppressive readings of Islam or just like really thinking through the tradition, the more hopeful I am. Um, to me also, like faith is just a very deeply personal thing and um i don't know i think if we were all using uh faith and religious texts to reflect more on ourselves and on our lives and um and who we want to be in the world and just like how we want to live our lives and how we want to live justice um i think that the world would be a much better place how uh, how has your family responded are they are they uh, in the know about your work? Do you tell them? 
Um, my brother is, uh, I tell him, he's very, very, very supportive, but um, my parents don't know. And, and, and what do you think they'd do if, if, if they learn? I mean, at some point, it's probably going to come out, isn't it? One way or the other. I mean, they might be listening to this. Uh, um, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I don't know what their reaction would be. Um, sometimes I think that they would be really sort of upset. But at other times, I wonder if they would read the book and, I don't know, just be moved by it. I, I don't know. I um. Yeah, I, I don't know. It... But leaving aside the book, which obviously is another, um, is another issue, why not tell your parents about your sexuality? Um, I think in, in the book, I actually like, talk a lot about why not. Um, a big part of it for me has always been that I live so far away from them and it feels so out of context to tell them in some ways. My parents don't live in the U.S. Um, they, uh, I mean, they like visit, you know, once every couple of years, but they just, they, they don't have an understanding of um, what queerness is um, in some ways. Um, even though I'm sure where they live, they're around queer people all the time. I think it's just, it's coded differently and it looks it, it looks different. Um, it plays out differently. And um, I don't know, it, I think to me, it has always felt really out of context um, to, to tell them. Um, and, and, it, and it feels really hard to do that while I live so far away from them. And, and I can't really be there for them to sort of like really explain it to them. I don't, you know, have uh, the words in the language that I speak um, to talk to them about it. And so yeah, I don't know. I think that for a long time, that was always my like biggest holdup was that it felt it, it didn't feel like the right time. Um, and yeah, it, it, it didn't feel like it quite made sense to. Um, Do you travel much yourself out of the United States? Um. Somewhat here and there, um, but because of immigration stuff, I haven't really been able to for the past, um, for, for quite some time. But do you feel happy to be in America? Would Ideally, perhaps, a lot of people live here, but always dreaming of being somewhere else in another country. Are you someone who would expect to spend most of your life in the U.S., or you don't know? I don't know. I think, I think the thing about New York is that it feels so... Um, it feels so different from the rest of America for me, or at least the parts of um, the rest of the U.S. that I've been to. I'm, I'm sure San Francisco and other cities have similar feelings. But to me, New York feels so um, multicultural and so um, and so diverse. Um, and it, it's actually pretty interestingly, it's pretty similar to the. Um, to the city that I grew up in, um, in the Arab country that just like had a lot of people from all over. Um, and that's, I mean, like I've already mentioned that I think it's the best city in the world, but, um, to me, I think New York feels so different and I just, I love living here. And so, um, yeah. And as someone who like moved around a lot, it's, it's felt really hard for me to feel like really deeply settled in a place. Um, and, for me, New York feels like that place. Finally, uh, Lamia, I love your uh, Twitter 
handle the when you go to your Lamia H uh, uh, page on Twitter. There's a big sign that says "Unfuck the world." Um, is that possible? How, how do we go about doing it? You're doing it in your own way, I think, with this new book, or at least trying to do it with Hijab Butch mm. Blues, a memoir. How do we unfuck the world? Very briefly, in a minute or two. Easy, easy final question. <laughs> um, I think, um, I mean, this is also something that I write about in the book, um, about sort of like, I don't know, um, dreaming big. I think... Um, some of the things that I'm interested in in terms of unfucking the world are um, abolishing prisons, um, defunding the police. Um, are those uh, realistic? Returning, though, really? I think, I think to me it doesn't matter if they are or are not realistic. I think it's the working towards them that's important. Um, I think sort of like dreaming off utopias allows us to live in ways that build towards them and so whether or not you know whether or not we'll ever achieve those things in our lives um, doesn't matter as much as sort of like dreaming of them and living as if um, so those are those are my ideas of um, in terms of like how to unfuck the world just living it into being and um, and dreaming and hoping 